Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you for coming and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All of Us podcast. Today on the show, we have Los Angeles-based holistic nutritionist and lifestyle cleanse expert, Alyssa Goodman. I became aware of Alyssa's work when I was in high school here in LA, and funnily enough, her daughter Jordan was at my same school in the grade above me. I started seeing Alyssa's famous cleanse plans and juices at a bunch of different health food restaurants and markets like M Cafe, Cafe Gratitude, and Erewhon. And then a few years later, when I moved back from New York and was going through my own eating disorder recovery, I rediscovered her work and the story behind it, which lended itself to a whole new level of resonance and importance for me. Alyssa's LA-based program currently offers customized cleanse plans, recipes, consultations, meal delivery services, and more. In 2016, she also published her book, Cancer Hacks, A Holistic Guide to Overcoming Your Fears and Healing Cancer. Alyssa is truly a miracle woman, and the beautiful work that she does is a product of her own incredible story that I'm so excited to share with you guys today. So with that, here's me and Alyssa Goodman. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Wait, so were you, are you the one that was in class with Jordan? I was not, so I was a grade lower than Jordan. I graduated in 2014. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's so funny because I came to know you and your work separately. And then I had a friend who's also very into wellness and everything. And they were like, oh, that's Jordan's mom. And I was like, no way. But yeah, she, I always remember being in the library. I was like a huge bookworm and I was always in the library and they, I think had like a study group in there and I just have this memory of her in her like sweatshirt dancing all the time and just like loved her. Um, I thought she was like a magical- I was going to say, I don't know if she ever spent time in the library. (laughs) It was like a lot of her like dancing and laughing and me just being like, wow, it's like this beautiful older girl who's amazing. So yeah, I I made that connection. It made me super happy. Um, But yeah, I was familiar with your work for a long time before that. Um, okay. But yeah, I just, um, and then how long have you been doing this? I've been doing my podcast since August, but I've been on my mental health journey for a pretty long time. So yeah, I need to, I feel like I need to tell you kind of how I've come. I feel like, first of all, we have a ton of resonance, even though we're like a different generation and there's like a lot of difference. Yeah. We have a very similar journey because mm-hmm. I, I grew up here in LA, which I know that's not the same for you, but I grew up here and then I went to college in New York. I actually went to Barnard for a year. Uh, So I was living in New York at one time as you were. And I really was, I developed a really intense eating disorder while I was there. And I was really struggling with my health. Like I lost my period. I was developing osteoporosis, which I now have. 
all these health issues because of my eating disorder. And I moved back to LA um, in the winter. It was going to, it was coming 2015. And I had this like crazy health journey that I started when I moved back to LA. And having come to know your story, I know that you moved back to LA, moved to LA and you encountered all of these health issues. So you went on this like health journey of juicing and acupuncture and Reiki and the whole thing. And I did that as well. And that's when I came to know your work through, mm-hmm. um, you did a program for M cafe. You also mm-hmm. did one for Gra- cafe gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then I started having like the Alyssa's thyroid juice. I know you did a, like a brief program at Erewhon, but then now you have the juice yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I had this similar story where I moved back to LA and I had been through all of these weird, like, or not weird, but I had been through all of these programs because I was super like proactive about healing in my disorder. Yeah. And as a lot of eating disorder programs go, it wasn't clicking with me because I was always very health conscious as you are and like yeah. eating beautiful, living, high vibrational foods. And like, right. I grew up here and I grew up with a mother who it sounds like prepared a lot of foods in the way that you do and you care about health in the way that my mother does. And she also had, um, she had non-Hodgkin's small lymphoma, oh, so similar yeah. to you, but okay. non-Hodgkin's. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in this way that was very health conscious and all of a sudden I was dealing with this eating disorder and the way that a lot of the treatment programs that I was lucky enough to go into were dealing with it were like using food as a means to an end to like have me gain weight as fast as possible to get a period back to be heat quote unquote healed. Yeah. And it wasn't clicking with me. And so the way that I really kind of tailored my own food healing experience was I was so craving finding people that were in love with food and what food could do for their health. And that's when I found your work and your kind of journey of like putting yourself in remission through kind of this love of food and nutrition and healing that you have that's very holistic. Um, And that's what really did it for me. So you played a huge role in my healing journey. So thank you for that. Um, oh, that's so yeah. sweet. Thank you. Yeah, of yeah. course. Well, it's yeah. cool. I always love like hearing the stories of how people get to where they are, as well as, you know, I mean, we all struggle in one form or another, right? So God, when we get to the other side, it's pretty remarkable. It's insane. Right? And even now, like I, I didn't, it was hard for me to get to this place of like, even though I had grown up really like being in love with food and nutrition and all of it, um, when you develop such a kind of aversion to it for one reason or another, it's hard to kind of re fall in love with it and have that be something that's really a passion and not something you're really like making an effort towards. And like, it's kind of difficult. And I'm at this point now where like, it's such a pleasure. Um, So I can kind of delve even more into like the work that you do and, and the work that other kind of other people do around sort of integrative medicine and holistic nutrition and all of that and do it in a way that's more like fun and exploratory and beautiful and right. not so much kind of a heal like a, a really efforted healing process. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would love to hear your whole journey, um, how you started in all of this. I know that you have like a huge healing journey and that's kind of how you got into <laughs> what you do because you did a whole other thing before you got into this nutrition game. Well, yeah, I was in the marketing advertising business for ever. So, and that was only really because my um, dad was in that business. So I sort of followed suit in his footsteps, Mm -hmm. not knowing what I really wanted to do. Where did you grow up? Arizona. 
Phoenix, Arizona, and then went to college at University of Arizona in Tucson, and then graduated and moved to New York. Okay. I never went back to Arizona after that. (laughs) You you knew you didn't want to live there? (laughs) Never wanted to live there, no. And I go, I mean, it's a really nice place, but it was just, uh, I had a very traumatic upbringing. Hmm. I mean, in terms of parents being just really sort of like, even helicopter parents, you know, which is, was a little bit unheard of in those days. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of restrictions. Okay. And I'm not good with restrictions. Yeah. Neither am I. (laughs) Even if, especially when they're self-imposed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So how old were you when you moved to New York? I was 24. And then at that, because obviously you, you just said. Actually, no, sorry. I was 22. I was 22. Okay. Yeah. And then I moved here when I was 31. And then were you aware, because obviously you just mentioned that you had kind of like some, a traumatic upbringing a bit. And were you aware of that at, when you moved to like in your young adult life? Or is it something that you've kind of like come to know? I feel like mental health has become more and more such a big, a big thing and something that's a lot more talked about. And like every facet of your life is sort of taken into consideration. And I don't know if that was such a big thing, like when you were 22 when you moved so or even younger that's a really good question because right it wasn't at the forefront of people's minds um yes you would go into talk therapy if you're having emotional issues right Mm -hmm. but we definitely didn't have what we have access to today um but i did know i did know i needed to get away from arizona and away from the family more so just because i needed to be independent and figure out who i was or am and you know, I just felt very suffocated. So I Mm. did know that. So I, and then I thought moving across the country would do that. But of course, as you know, it doesn't because emotionally you're still very connected, you know? So the distance, is not really the thing? It's, you know, how do you cut the cord emotionally? Oh my gosh, completely. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's not even what you think it is. Like that cord that exists isn't what you think it is. Like for me, I've only recently, obviously like I'm still pretty young, but I actually, um, I work with somebody named Megan Monahan and doing meditation who you've had yeah. on your podcast. I do know her. Yeah. She's amazing. And she, in our work together, um, this is like obviously getting kind of like super candid, but she, we had like talked a lot about some family stuff that I was going through and, and these things. And I really didn't really, I didn't know how to deal with it. And she was like, have you ever done any work around codependency? And I was like, well, I'm not codependent because I'm just not like, I don't need my mom around me all the time, or I don't need my dad. Like it's just not. And she's like, no, that's not what it means. Like there's a whole world of that, which like, for me, it looked like I couldn't be my emotional state and my mental health was completely just like based on my relationship to like if they if our relationship was in a good place and all of it so I think there are so many facets to like what the cord between you and your parents look like and for me I thought I was completely independent like five months ago and I just realized that that's not it doesn't look like what you sometimes think it does yeah absolutely not yeah it's just so that is really that's just, that's a whole other realm to dive into. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you know I'm 60, and I don't think that I really fully, so sad to say, came into myself like maybe 57, 58. Like I really cut the cord, and I really like 
you know, devoured the idea of self-love and self-worth and self-esteem, but took so many years. And I always say, you know, I hope that it doesn't take that long for you or my girls, you know, I just don't want it. No way do I want them waiting until they're in their fifties to figure out, you know, how valuable they are. Yeah, completely. A lot on their own. They don't even need, you know, any, anybody, they need some people, but yeah, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thing. And I, I feel like I'm somebody who has kind of figured, start I've seen it early on I don't know if I've like figured it out but I know it's there I think a lot earlier than than a lot of people especially in my generation with all the shit going swirling around with like social media and everything I feel like I see it there super early so I'm just like very proactively on this journey of getting getting there and and being able to have make friends with it um so when you that's the good part of social media right yes Pushing yeah. ourselves towards that. Yeah, because, right, even as an old person on social media, it still, like, you know, actually pushes my buttons sometimes. But then I can easily get myself back into alignment. But I'm like, I wasn't invited. Or, you know, oh this is so cool. Why can't I do that? But Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to kind of – I just took a few. Like, I think I, I meant to take a, a month off. And I kind of have slowly in the past couple days, I took a few weeks off and now I'm sort of like getting back into it, but it's definitely a balancing act. So true. So when you moved to, you moved to New York pretty young and then you worked at, it sounds like I listened to something and it sounds like you worked in like in selling advertisement space and you were at a lot of magazines. Were you at Condé Nast? I I know you were. Well, I was like, I started in television sales, so I did that for a while, and then I moved over to Good Housekeeping, Architectural Digest. Um, then when I moved to LA, I started working for Vogue magazine, Okay. Um, and then I worked for this New York Times magazine um, until I quit and had kids. So I was in the sales, you know, I was constantly selling and having to present all that yeah. type of craziness with your self-esteem and self-worth, right? So yeah, I can't people. imagine. Yeah, how was living in New York for you at that time? Because that's around the time that I moved to New York, and it did not work for me. I loved it. I mean, yeah. I loved the freedom. I loved like the culture. I loved, you know, just like everything that it had to offer. Because I love having stuff to do around me. So there was always something going on, and you know, it just I I loved all that. I loved the action. Hmm. So just to be able to get out and walk and like see people and, you know, that was so beautiful at the time. And then did you, were you pretty happy in what you were doing? And did you have any idea that you wanted to like switch career paths? No, no, I just, um, you know, I was having fun in the city and meeting people and, you know, just partying and all of that. But I think the job and the, you know, career was sort of, secondary for me. Yeah. It was more about just like figuring out who I was and who I liked and who I wanted to be with, um, all of that. So I think it was, you know, cause I never had that opportunity when I was right. Well, it paid off. You met your husband there, right? I did. I did. And then you guys both, you moved back to LA. What kind of prompted that decision? I mean, I understand because it's yeah. paradise here, but I was just, you know, he was talking about moving out of the city and cause we had gotten married and having kids and like the taking the train in and out of the city sounded miserable to me. Yeah. Um, and commuting and the weather was starting to get to me. 
um, cause I was sick a lot cause mm. the, the immunity wasn't great. I didn't, you know, at that time really know what to do in regards to, I wasn't eating that healthy and I wasn't, you know, really seeing the right doctors in terms of, um, I didn't know what the right, who the right doctors were to like figure out how to, you know, just lower my stress levels, build my immunity, all that stuff that I know now. Right. So I thought moving to a slower paced life, more sunshine was the ticket. And okay. he was from Queens. So he grew up on the East coast. Um, so he had never been West, never seen the Pacific ocean. Um, so we, you know, we moved out here. I mean, he hated it. It was really hard because all of his friends and family were back East and, you know, LA wasn't the easiest place to make friends and sort of land. Yeah. So it took a while. I mean, it took taking up golf for him and it took us having kids and all of that to really build a you know, foundation. Yeah, it's interesting. As much as it seems kind of more like this open communal space in LA, it's actually can be a much lonelier place because everyone's like in their bubbles all the time, whether it's like the bubble of a car moving from place to place or your house, like it's, it's very hard to kind of like just interact with people. And I feel like New York has a little bit more of a sense of camaraderie where it's not as strange to just kind of like strike up conversation with someone. Whereas here, like if you ask somebody what juice they like in Erewhon, they look at you like you're trying to stalk them. So it's definitely like a weird thing that, yeah, it's harder to build a community here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's commuting, you know, like a lot of times there when we were there, we'd go for drinks after work because we were all walking home and, hey, let's stop and have a drink or let's have some dinner. Here, you know, they're commuting home to the valley or to the Manhattan Beach or whatever. And it was harder. Yeah. So it was just. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm so glad we did because I do, yeah. I do love it. I have a love hate with LA, which I think a lot of people do, right? A lot of people. The grass is always greener, though. I feel like anywhere you go is kind of the second you leave LA. I feel like three days in, you're just dying to come back. But then when you're here, you're always thinking it would be like lovely to live in like Italy or something, or in even like New York or Ohio, like anywhere, but but, but in LA, no, but yeah. you're on, right? Yeah. Right. So when you moved to LA did was I know you were thinking that like the sunshine and being on the west coast would kind of like cure you of feeling like kind of constantly sick did that work out or for you for any t- amount of time because I know kind of right when you got here you got yeah, really got sick diagnosed with cancer no it really didn't I think you know it was just all those components you know not sleeping very well emotionally not stable you know not feeling you know good enough self-worth mm-hmm. like all those messages that are constantly replaying in your body in your head, um, you know, stressed out that didn't have a support system, didn't love the job, hated Vogue magazine. Yeah. I hate to say that, but just, it was asking so much of me that I couldn't like meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I put myself into a situation that was really, really rough. Um, right. and then husband not being happy really here. Um, there was, it was, it was hard. It was yeah. really hard. So I, I never felt well, like I, and then that, but I hear it was easier to explore, you know, other opportunities, like maybe going to a naturopath or um, doing the acupuncture, you know, going into therapy, all that stuff. For some reason, it felt easier, yoga, the, you know, going to a juice place, because I don't remember a juice place in New York at all, but there was one here, right? It was like so, a lifetime or something like, or like the little like place in Granite on 
in like the West Village or something. Yeah, I don't really know of any still. There are like a couple, but it's always, it's now it's like Joe and the Juice, but there are no like really beautiful ones. Yeah, like really wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, there was just felt easier and I knew I needed to like start working on myself. Hmm. So. so when, what did your getting diagnosed look like? Cause I know for my mom, it was a very random, like they went in for like a, not like a colonoscopy. They went in for some sort of scope for some just like routine check and they found it that way. Um, But it was not like a, they weren't like fishing for cancer, but I feel like they very rarely are. I feel like it's usually found just through routine sort of checking. What did your sort of story look like? She didn't have any symptoms. Like, so that's what you're saying. There were no real symptoms. No, it showed up in her stomach as these like little lacerations. I forget what they were doing, but they went into her stomach and kind of just like found what was found all these little like sort of lacerations in the lining of her stomach and it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Well, I, you know, same for me, like I probably wouldn't have known if I had symptoms because I never like felt well, but I was getting a massage and I was sitting up just like this, like Mm -hmm. I'm talking to you and the masseuse was massaging my neck and my collarbone and like right on my inside, my collarbone, Mm -hmm. there was a swollen lymph node there. So oh, she was wow. like, oh, that's weird. You know, you really shouldn't have swollen lymph nodes on your collarbone. Totally fine on your neck, you know, because that's like just mostly fighting an infection. Right. But it's weird to have one on your collarbone. You should get that checked out. And I was like, okay, you know, like didn't think much about it, but did go to the doctor. And when I did go to a general practitioner, he did, he just felt it. And he was like, oh my God, this could be cancer. That was his response. And I'm like, what? what that's insane were you he was like neurotic like crazy neurotic guy and um he's like you gotta go get this you know lymph node checked out right away so then i scheduled surgery and were you terrified yeah then then i was terrified when he mentioned the word cancer so of course it's like the most triggering thing in the world and all of a sudden it's like i feel like anytime i feel like that's usually worst case scenario Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like can- if you Google anything on WebMD or anywhere, it's like cancer, you have cancer. I was convinced that I had like esophageal cancer a month ago because my throat was sore. Like, I feel like it's always the worst thing. So to have a doctor kind of come at you with that diagnosis or like suspicion immediately is terrifying. And suspicion, right. Because, you know, we hadn't even biopsied the lymph nodes, so we didn't really know. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was, I thought it was a little irresponsible for him to react that way. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, come to find out, like I then had it biopsied and it was an early stage, okay. you know, like one AC or something of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And I went to check out, like get these slides um, looked at by two other doctors. And the third doctor, he was so cool. He was at St. John's. I didn't want to go to him because I was so tired of doctors, but he sat me down and he's like, you know, let's talk about your emotional well-being, Like, are you happy with mm. what you're doing? Are you happy in your marriage? You know, are you happy with yourself? Are you stressed out? Well, how do you live your life? Do you sleep? Like, and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. So someone asking me those questions and it was really profound. He goes, you know what? This cancer, a lot of cancer is related to your emotional well-being. And, you know, it looks like you haven't had, you know, I burst into tears. I was like, I'm so unhappy because I, I just didn't know which end was up. I couldn't figure out how to get myself out of a hole. Completely. That I felt like I was always in. So 
he was remarkable and never to, to this day, I'll never forget him because, you know, that was, that was a beautiful thing. He's like, you gotta, you know, you gotta get yourself some help with your emotional well-being, your stress, you know, start sleeping, eat well. And yeah. Do you think that that sort of planted the seeds for your interest in like holistic wellness? Yeah. yeah. I think it was, I mean, interestingly, I was always quasi interested in it because my mom went to this health ranch called Ranch La Puerta in Tecate, Mexico. Okay. And um, it was way ahead of its time. They grew their own food. It was, they exercised every day. You had massages every day. You had health speakers come in, um, you know, no television, no TVs. Like it was really rustic, but it was a place to really just chill out, yoga, meditation. I mean, it was, you know, so she'd go twice a year, every year because she had asthma. So I went with her like about five times in my teen, like late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. um, before coming back to LA and all of that, or, you know, before leaving New York. And I, I saw like these women completely change in seven days, like the anxiety or, you know, just things that the asthma, even my mom didn't need her inhalers. But so I saw that there was something going on there with lifestyle and de-stressing and, you know, sleep and just getting away from your life. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I kind of always like had like dabbled in it, but didn't know how to like really dive in. Right. So when you then got your diagnosis, of course, I'm sure they like wanted you to go on like radiation and chemo and this sort of like normal prescription of really sort of like scary and like apocalyptic hospital stuff. I was in the chemo with my mom. I would go to chemo with my mom and just like the whole energy and vibration of it is so counterintuitive to like health and recovery and like beautiful living. It's so baffling to me that like, this is what recovery looks like. Um, Did you know that you wanted to approach it in an alternative way or like, what did your process look like from then on? What was your plan? Yeah, because it was so early stage, I kind of felt really hopeful that I could like attack it um, and I really knew what, you know, at that point, what I needed to do. Um, so I did some of the radiation, uh, okay. just because family, friends, doctors scared, you know, the living daylights out of me if I didn't do anything. Um, so I did some radiation, which, you know, I'm not, I, I think I could have healed without the radiation, but I did. I didn't do chemo. I was worried about that because of my immune system. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I just, I did, I started juicing, became vegan, went into therapy, I, you know, went to yoga, did acupuncture. I mean, I just did colonics. I explored everything I could. And, you know, luckily I was, you know, I, I actually got through it, but because they radiated my thyroid, they radiated this area, like my right. upper mantle, they call it. I got hypothyroidism Hashimoto's. Oh, Wow. So that took like years to diagnose my hypo, which was, you know, is rampant these days. Um, I know. I feel like so many women have Hashimoto's these days or some kind of thyroid disorder. And I've never even, I don't know for me what the symptoms would feel like. I don't really, I haven't really explored it that much, but even sometimes without even knowing what it is, I'm like, huh, maybe I should go to a thyroid doctor because so many women experience these issues. What did it look like for you? It was, you know, I was really like anxious and um, had some sleep issues. Mm -hmm. 
just felt very chronically fatigued and you know the anxiety and chronic fatigue and all that um hair loss constipation mm-hmm. you know typical dry skin you know the typical symptoms of hypothyroidism um couldn't get pregnant was a big one and i was trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. so once they diagnosed it then i was put on medication then i got pregnant that's okay. a big thing for pregnancy as well so if you hey if your thyroid's off it's going to be hard getting pregnant yeah and then did you keep your were you still working at vogue or did you were you keeping your job no, i stopped vogue like after the radiation and when i went back and after my treatment and i got shingles oh. so then i knew i was like uh i got so i quit then um, which is such a stress based isn't it like basically just rooted in stress yeah it's yeah. an epstein-barr virus well okay. i had mono strep tonsillitis Wow. Chicken pox growing up. I had all the Epstein-Barr virus issues. So the virus like lays dormant in your system. Okay. So then when you go through trauma, you know, it wakes its ugly head up sometimes. Um, and it did. It definitely woke its ugly head up but because of all the trauma. So I quit. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh, I did go back to work at the New York Times Magazine, which I was in charge of my own schedule and stuff. Mm-hmm. I did that for a number of years after having kids. Um, and then, and then I stopped working after that. But so all, all during the still working, I was trying to figure out my, my, still my hypothyroidism Hashimoto's and. Yeah. So you went, how you went vegan, you said you started juicing a lot and it, did you have any like inkling of, of an idea that you were going to end up doing it in a more, prof, in a professional way? Never. Yeah. No, no, not until my husband, you know, was diagnosed with cancer 11 years after me. Mm-hmm. And he did the whole Western route, like, I feel like tenfold. I mean, he, he had two bone marrow transplants in a year and a half, which is wow. so crazy. So yeah. his immune system was tanked and compromised and he got fungal pneumonia and died. Mm. So then I still didn't think I was going to do this as a profession. But I did have two girls and I thought, and I, you know, I was exhausted and like, not sure, like, you know, really feeling like up to being a single parent. Of course. And how was I going to go back to work and handle all of this um, after he passed away? So that's when I like, like a couple years, took a couple years to get my feet on the ground and then went back to school and got certified in Eastern and Western nutrition and loved it. But I still didn't think I was going to become a nutritionist and go into this field. I just was, I just needed to know more information for myself and the girls of course. Because I just had to like get healthy and strong. Yeah. And it did. It helped me so much. And it was, I loved it. I loved, I just started devouring every piece of information that came my way. And then it just one thing led to another. I got lucky. Yeah, so. of course. I feel like it's, it's equal. It's always for like any success story. I feel like it's always equal parts like passion and, and determination, but then right place, right time and luck. I feel like as a huge aspect of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing all of this and even like prior to your husband getting sick, were you aware of, cause I know in your philosophy, there is like a mental health component and it's about kind of like a more holistic approach to healing and wellness. I feel like with, and you said like you were juicing a lot, you went vegan. So obviously like you had done, you had gone a route that was like a bit hardcore, but I feel like it's different. A lot of the sort of 
not even like diet trends, but a lot of the like healing through food programs here that are meant to be sort of like rooted in love and healing can be a little bit like really intense to the point of it being sort of counterintuitive to the healing. I feel like it can get kind of scary and super restrictive and something that I really think is beautiful about yours is that it doesn't neglect the kind the mental health aspect of it and sort of like it being a really beautiful and gentle and self-loving process and for you you said that you kind of came into recognizing how important the aspect of self-love is in all of it what did your kind of learning about that look like alongside all of the nutritional stuff as well well there was like a couple books that i just loved one was what was it called? It was by Lisa Rankin. She's an MD up in um, like Northern California. I can't remember the name of the book, but it was so good. It was all about your subconscious being downloaded the first seven years of your life. Mm-hmm. So we wow. function 90 to 95% out of our subconscious, you and I do today. Mm-hmm. So like 5% conscious, I was like blown away. So she was basically saying, you know, all these messages that we kind of replay in our head that we don't even know we're replaying down-regulate our immune system, you know, the self-worth, self-esteem stuff, all of that, or just, you know, just any, someone telling you you weren't smart or you were fat or just, you know, not pretty, those messages stay with you. Um, yeah. So that was huge. I realized, holy crap, that is why a lot of people are sick. Yeah, you no, know, of that. And then there was a book called Radical Remission by Kelly Turner. She did her PhD and she interviewed like stage four cancer cases and they all healed holistically. And mm. she came up with like 10 modalities. Seven of them were emotional. You know, eighth was food, ninth supplements, and 10th was exercise. Wow. Stress, it was trauma, PTSD, all these things. You know, these people had to like let go of all this stuff and really let their body get to that, you know, parasympathetic nervous system where you're really exhaling and relaxing and your neurological system isn't all like, you know, wound up. Mm-hmm. So we just function so much out of our like wound up adrenal cortisol, you know, fight or flight mode. Everything. And it's cause it all caught, I feel like the lifestyles and this is getting like, I think worse and worse, but also thank God there's this like increasing um, awareness around it. But our lifestyles are so inflammatory. And when my mom got sick, I became like obsessed. This was kind of like a duel that I was trying to recover from my own thing. And then I was doing so in like a very holistic, spiritual way. And then my mom was sick. And so I became obsessed with like alternative healing modalities. And while so much of it was like, maybe cut like with pay attention to like even your natural sugar intake because of inflammation there's like a lot of it was nutritional but so much in terms of our emotional well-being causes a ton of inflammation and we don't really consider that as much in western medicine i think a lot of the inflammation is like comes from injury or then like if it is diet it's like a lot of processed sugar but it's so much more than that um Yeah, the the emotional aspect of it and that causing that manifesting in like actual physical inflammation and then illness is so intense and it's so something to to be aware of. Right, right. I think it's like, you know, sleep is like my number one thing, like Mm -hmm. really getting the right kind of sleep, the deep sleep, the REM sleep, you know, just really your body detoxes and cleanses through the night. So it just it, you know, it does everything it needs to do 
and restores itself and cells, you know, replicate, duplicate during the sleep. And then stress is number two. So, you know, just the emotional stress component. Then I feel like three is food and four is exercise, moving your body. Like yeah. there are four components you got to have within, like they all kind of have to work together. You know, I have clients who like are great with food and, you know, de-stress, but then don't exercise at all and sleep terrible or, or they sleep great and, you know, don't, they're stress balls. So it's, yeah. you know, you got to have all four things. Like you have to pay attention to all of them. Completely. To really have you be like thriving, I think. So with using kind of that knowledge to put yourself in, in remission from, from like the illnesses that you were dealing with and doing so successfully, how did then, because then with your husband becoming sick, I'm sure that brought on for not only you, but but like you, your girls and your concern for your girls as well, this entirely new beast of like dealing with grief and dealing with a ton of stress that didn't have to do with your own illness, but had to do with more grief and loss and mourning and also being a really concerned mother. How did you kind of use the knowledge and the heal, the, the healing knowledge that you would accrued to then help yourself in in getting through that as much as you could yeah that was really rough that was a very rough period i'm sure Um, it was like even rougher than dealing with the cancer yes like yeah yeah it was worse than cancer and you know it was i just really leaned on friends and you know more friends and, and family um and therapists and you know just my support team and then once I got into the healing world, there's such a huge support team because yeah. it was early stages then. There weren't a lot of us doing the work that is happening these days. I know. But, it's pretty saturated now. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were just really cool, beautiful people that just like really kind of helped me along the way in my different phases of, you know, getting through it all. Um, I would have to say, I mean, if I knew, I know so much now, I wish if I did know what I know now then, um, I probably would have gone on more of like plant medicine journey type mm. of experience because in the last few years I've done that and it's completely changed my life in every way. Oh and my gosh. Amazing. What kind of things have you done? So I've done ayahuasca and psilocybin and then this other medicine called Kana. Um, I've heard the most amazing things about Kana. I have friends that do it and it's on my, my list of things that I need to try. That's amazing. It is. It's, um, it it was, it's completely life-changing. So it really shows you, you know, that the, lot a lot of things about yourself and like to, you can figure them out yourself when you're, when you're in the, on the plant medicine, you figure out what kind of person you want to be and you see yourself, you know, you see the different place phases of yourself. Um, it's really remarkable. So I wish I had had that because like a lot of years I felt so guilty about him dying and mm. you know, the things I could have done to save him potentially. I mean, many, many years of that um, until I got to a place where I realized I'm, you know, definitely not that powerful where I could have been the one to step in to really save him. I mean, he had to save himself, but and just all the things the girls went through all those years, you know, I just felt really guilty and just really bad about being a mom that wasn't there for them as much as, you know, I wanted to be. So it was well, rough. That's so amazing that you were able to recognize that. I feel like a lot of people don't kind of have the wherewithal to recognize 
when they're dealing with immense amounts of guilt, much less the fact that they can do something about it and that maybe there is like an alternative truth that it isn't just that everything's not their fault, but that there is the truth that the world and 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 big traumas like that are are so huge and out of our power that we need to kind of learn to exist with that truth that that we can do very little to control things um so that's absolutely amazing was it sort of like scary for you to go into the world of plant medicine have you done it but had you done it before i feel like in a later stage no. of i feel like it's yeah i feel like it's kind of now it's becoming a lot less taboo but i can only imagine that it's it would be kind of like an, an intimidating thing how did that process it was, it was. i would love to hear about about how that was for you i've recently kind of been obsessed with the idea of do i've only experimented with mushrooms and it was very much in like a beautiful healing setting. I was never like a drug experimental teen. I was very straight edge and um, didn't really do anything like out of the box. But yeah, only recently in the last like year, I've tried psilocybin and it was definitely for like the spiritual experience. But um, my boyfriend and I watched the goop labs where they go to Jamaica and do ayahuasca and we're like, we have to do it. But yeah, I would love to hear how that was for you and how like you even started thinking about it, much less like made it happen. I know. I think that it comes across your path when you feel, when you need it. Totally. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and I did it with a shaman who's a really good friend of mine. So the psilocybin was the most profound. I mean, I did ayahuasca years ago with a also another shaman that I loved, but it was pretty intense. You know, it was a lot more about purging and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, um, which was really good for me then. But the psilocybin was more about just really coming to terms with who I am mm-hmm. and finding, you know, letting go of those negative thought patterns, really letting go and cutting the cord from, you know, from the family legitimately um, mm-hmm. and really releasing like the stuff that wasn't working for me anymore that and just trying to figure out what was working and what was I good at and what was really, you know, what could I, you know, what it, what was I supposed to do in this life? So that was, he was, he held the space for me. That's what was so beautiful. So he held the space and he held the space for me to like be safe. And it was, it was really, really profound. So that's amazing. Um, same thing with Akana. I did it with a husband and wife. Um, they're sort of shamans as well. And it was just me and them. Um, and they just, you know, they hold the space for you to be safe. And when you explore into these dark places. So, I mean, that's probably what really, that was like two years ago, a little over two years ago. And that was when I was really, you know, I've been trying to heal my Hashimoto's hypothyroidism for like four years. I worked with a medical medium for a while. And and I think really two and a half years ago is when it all really started to fall into place. And that's, you know, I was doing all the physical things and taking the supplements and detoxing and eating the right food and all that stuff. But I wasn't emotionally at the place where I, I think I really thought I could 100% heal. Mm. Yeah, but and that's... That, the mushrooms did that. So you had started your business already in nutrition and all of that prior to all of this. So how has, which for people that don't know, would you mind just explaining what your business is a little bit? And then I would love to hear how this kind of new 
spiritual and like mental awareness has translated into what you do because obviously I feel like it must have made some sort of shift happen in terms of your what your like sort of professional life life looks like so I'd love to hear about that yeah I mean I started I mean it's been like I got it it's been like eight eight solid years that I've been working as a nutritionist Mm -hmm. like you know seeing people one-on-one and trying to help them with their health issues all kinds of health issues I love like getting to the root digging to figure out what is at the root of these health issues, not just, you know, like plastering, you know, supplements or medications or whatever to like help with symptoms or just get them by. So that's really, cause that's what I love to do for myself. So I've been doing that. Plus I actually developed those food based programs for Cafe Gratitude and Cafe Erewhon. I did a whole food program for Earth Bar that was at the airport. Um, I got into this, I don't know how I got into all of the, like, you know, five day food program, seven day food program. I designed my own online, like 21 day program. Then I, six years ago, I started my own soup cleanse, which is soups, salads, tonics, lattes. Um, it's five days, all homemade. It's like 50 different vegetables um, that you eat during the week. It's really an anti-inflammatory and um, it just nourishes you and nurtures you. Mm. So I wanted to, you know, cook and deliver this food to people to see how they would do, you know, eating this way for five days. Um, it's no animal protein. There is some collagen powder in one of the broths, but if you're vegan, you don't have to have it. I, I do eat animal protein, so it's not about that. It's just about really getting jump starting people into, you know, really more nutrient dense foods um, to lower inflammation and like help them, you know, get onto a path that's really healthy for themselves. So I've been doing this, I'm in my seventh year now of that. And then we're also shipping out like homemade super C bars across the country. We ship about 2000 every month Wow! Um, from the office. Yeah. There's part of the cleanse, the bar, but then it started taking off. So, you know, that's kind of what I do. I, I see people by zoom still love that. And, um, you know, I basically the the transition from the plant medicine really gave me a window into like, people's pain and people's emotional state, like asking the right questions when I see clients one-on-one, like Mm. to know what to ask and like to kind of listen for what those messages and what they're really telling me, you know, because they could be, they tell me, people tell you exactly what's wrong with them. That's what's so fascinating. So I, I, and also knowing that I was able to get to the other side of, all of these health issues um, and feel the way I feel today. Like I feel better than I did like five years ago or 10 years ago. So amazing. Yeah. So I just feel like that's what's so crucial these days for my clients is like, wow, you can feel better than you did. Like people are like, I felt so great in my twenties or my thirties, you know, but you, you can feel better than you did in your twenties and thirties. Yeah, it's you don't have to age. Really, it's so amazing because I feel like you're now giving people the experience that you had the kind of like aha moment with that doctor who really was just like, "Are you happy? Are you okay?" And I feel like it's so wonderful that you now and what you do are incorporating that amazing, like really holistically caring feeling into into what you do. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's just I just am here to give people hope. You know, like real hope and yeah, 
that anything can be healed and it, you can't get past any health issue if you want to, if you want to do it. And emotionally too, you could get past, you know, you, those issues as well. So, and also I want people to understand, you know, like the aging thing, like being 60, I don't feel 60. So, you know, you can turn back the clock. It's a huge thing. The biological clock versus, for, there's a biological clock and then there's the other one. It's another thing that I just learned about through the Goop Lab Netflix series. Um, but each one of them goes on like a different diet to kind of like reverse. One of them is like pescatarian. The other one is like some sort of like, I think they go on this boxed, Gwyneth goes on this like boxed cleanse. Oh, 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 the different, the intermittent or the fasting. Yes. Like, all of that. To like, like fake a, a fast. Prolong and like, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The anti-aging like protocol of prolong is totally huge. like cell autophagy. Like, yeah, that's big. That's big. I mean, this is like, you know, that is like a, a component of it, but overall, I think the philosophy of, you know, just like we talked about the whole time, you know, just really committing to sleep and the stress, trying to figure out how to balance your stress, committing to more of a, they call it a pegan diet, you know, pescatarian, vegan, mm -hmm. like a paleo vegan diet, like having some hormone free, antibiotic free, like, you know, regenerative meat is really good for you because like a blue blasts. zone diet yeah. I feel like you and I both kind of from what I've heard of you how do you eat I think we both prescribe to like an 80% vegan yeah. but then some like beautiful salmon or like every now and then a piece of like really amazing like really hormone free yeah. any kind of meat I really love like a bison or something like that um Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that whole you know just a little you know but mostly plant rich mm -hmm. um, and then just exercise you know yeah. and and then just coming to terms with, you know, what your passion is and your purpose and, and then who makes you feel good. Completely. I think it's a huge thing. Um, my boyfriend and I are like both really big proponents because we've both dealt with like health issues and a lot of anxiety. And also just like we both exist in this generation of people where it's like very popular for people our age to just like be medicated. I was on, um, a, an, SR, an SSRI for a, for a couple years, but that was after I had gone through like to the ends of the earth with every alternative healing modality. And I just like, couldn't like my life for some reason was like a soap opera internally. And so it did help me a lot, but I think for a lot of people, it's this, it's this default to just like be on a medication and even yeah. like young kids that I know who like are younger siblings of friends of mine or like friends with with like family friends with young kids who just are kind of like medicating their 13 year olds being like I hope this works but I think I'm such a believer in that there's kind of like a list of like are you being of service are you around people that lift you up are you getting sunshine and are you moving your body and are you eating living foods I think those things are so important to our healing and they're just kind of like come they're like getting further and further away from a lot of people's reality especially during the pandemic i think it's really difficult for people to do what's healthy for for every facet of their life i think it's yeah. so hard so true so how have you that, been doing during this that. during this I mean, crazy time it's been like really fascinating because the beginning it was crazy making yeah because um, i love i'm such a social person mm -hmm. and i love people um, it was definitely 
but as the time has gone on, it's forced me to like, you know, get to know myself and to spend time with myself and like yeah. the same stuff we were talking about, you know, be okay with those many sides of myself. Um, and you know, be okay with like, you know, just not liking myself at times, but I, there was always distractions to get away from that and not have to spend the time really looking at who I am and, you know, all of that. But now there's no distraction. There hasn't been distractions. You have to like face the music, I think during yeah. this time. And it did, it forced me to even dive deeper into being healthier. Like I thought I was healthy, but my sleep wasn't at the place it should be. My stress, I wasn't meditating, you know, consistently or working out consistently. I mean, I'm a really good eater, but those other components weren't there. Like, the yeah, I feel like it's tough for people that are in the business of health. A lot of the time, like even a lot of the time, like, you know, when you have everything in your vocabulary and when you know everything is there, I think that knowledge and it, it kind of being like innately in what you do can lead to like kind of neglecting certain aspects of it. I, I feel like I notice that a lot. True. True. Um, but yeah, I would love to kind of, as we wrap up, talk about some of the tactics that you use to sort of like keep your mental health in check and just sort of maintain balance. But before that, I know that you're a mother, obviously, of of two daughters and I think growing up raising daughters, especially in like the environment that we live in, like here in LA and just in this generation, it's really, really tough. And especially like in what you do. So my mom growing up was like very health conscious. She was super healthy herself. And as amazing that was, I think that there's like a, it's a tricky thing. It can be like a double-edged sword because with like being a daughter, like seeing how health conscious my like beautiful mother was, it can get kind of like triggering is a pretty intense word, but it can be kind of like anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. And then with you, obviously, like you've dealt with so much that's not, you just kind of like, you didn't just like go about this for fun. It was all like very much based in recovery and health. But has that been something that you've had to kind of like focus on with raising daughters is like being aware of how much the like really strict health stuff is like implemented in their lives how have you kind of dealt with dealt with that <laughs> that's been tricky too yeah totally. yeah because i forced a lot of it on them early um exercise and no sugar and you know just yeah that was supplements <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then they just totally were like, I'm not doing any of that. Mm -hmm. So they have come around now in their twenties. Like my younger one, my older one just turned 26 and Jordan and then yeah. the 25, I one that's going to be 23. So I would say like maybe three years ago, they came back around and okay. they really wanted to like learn more about it. And they do, they, they love it now for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, because they do know they feel good when they function that way. So, yeah. but it, it definitely backfired on me. Totally. Yeah. I, I must be really tough because for a lot of these parents that I'm seeing raise kids now, especially in this time, which I feel like it's getting harder and harder to raise like healthy young people in this crazy time that we live in. Mm -hmm. um, it must be really difficult being someone that's as health aware and health conscious as you are because I know that when I was dealing with my eating disorder, like it was a whole thing that like my mom would talk to my nutritionist about like ways of talking to me that weren't triggering and things that she would say or do that like 
obviously were in no way intentionally malicious or trying to trigger me, but that actually were. So I'm sure it's like, it's a tough thing to do. Um, yeah. Raising yeah, teenage daughters. I just, you know, with, like I said, you know, just the plant medicine and trying to figure out, you know, how I want to be perceived and how, you know, the intimacy of my connections with them, especially my two girls, yeah. I really do want a really strong bond and I want to be intimate with them. So I don't want to push them away. So I've learned how to, you know, monitor myself and what I say, and what I do. And the cool thing is when I step out of line, they let me know it. They will totally say, you know, they're not afraid to like, tell me, like what's on their mind and how upset they are about something I said or whatever, which I think is phenomenal. Like yeah. I never had that relationship with my mom. So I love it when they're like, Hey mom, you know, you hurt my feelings when you said this, or you got to stop talking about food because it makes me feel, you know, like this. So, Oh wow. Yeah, that's amazing. It's good. It's, it's been like such a beautiful experience because it's not only made us all healthier, you know, physically, but mentally too. Like, yeah, to be able to have an open dialogue and really be honest about. Oh my gosh, each other. it's yeah. so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, how do you? What are some like very important things in your life that you implement that you feel really keep your your mental health grounded and in check, and like your relationship with yourself solid and beautiful as much as it can be. I know sometimes it's just like a lost cause for all of us, but, but how do you yeah. do it for the most part? I mean, sleep is like sort of a non-negotiable for me. So yeah. I have to get eight hours sleep and crazy sometimes nine, but I have to get eight hours sleep and I, you know, it has to be good solid sleep because that I'm not good if I don't, you know, get that. That's huge. Um, the other thing is like, I do journal like a lot every day. Like I still have anxieties and fears that come up. And so to get them out of my body, I'm constantly journaling. Sometimes I'm like writing the same thing that I wrote yesterday. So, cause it's still there, you know, I haven't really mm -hmm. processed it. That's huge for me. And plus I do the same thing at night. Like I'll write down three things I'm grateful for. And I don't repeat, like it could be simple things, you know, um, like just, I'm trying to think, I drank enough water today, you know, something so that I go to bed with a more like open-minded, you know, better frame of mind. So that is a, those are kind of non-negotiables. Also, I have mantras about loving myself. I do like love is all I need. You know, I say that a lot throughout the day when I get stressed mm. or I have everything I need, you know, just for myself. So I know that I'm taken care of, like I'm taking care of me. So those mantras are sort of non-negotiable too. Even when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll just, I'll say them to myself and I'll be able to go back to sleep. That's, mm. that's huge. And then I would say, you know, I have a, like a group of, uh, well, my girls are just like incredible sources of joy for me. Um, and my fiance too, who's just a rock and like a beautiful human in terms of letting me express and do my thing. You know, it's, it's like an incredible relationship. So, and then I have like these friends and, you know, that talk the same language that are trying to like get to the same goal end game that I am. And um, there's nothing better than that. We push Truly. each other. Oh my gosh. It's so important. But, and then the green juices, I would say my juices yes. are like, a non-negotiable, like just, I'm always, you know, juicing 
um, still consistently to get, you know, tons and tons of vegetables in my diet as much as possible. What goes so, into um, your favorite, favorite green juice? It's so interesting. I mean, I have like lately it's like celery, cucumber, lemon, ginger, and it's mm -hmm. like beautiful, like simple, yeah. but I would have to say dandelion greens is one of my all time favorites. It's like a huge liver detoxifier. Um, I, there's a salad at air one. It's a dandelion green salad with chickpeas and quinoa. Mm -hmm. Um, that they make that I know the one <laughs> I'm freaking obsessed with, and it's been two years now and I could eat that thing almost every day. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, but they like the dandelion greens is huge. And I used to have this burdock juice, burdock root. It's, you know, it's kind of an ugly, like branch root. Mm -hmm. That's also like a blood purifier. Like I used to throw that into my juices there. It's hard to find unless you're at an Asian market, but that's kind of like, I would say, I mean, I'm just bored of kale and spinach. I eat it, <laughs> you know, but I just don't juice it. So just yeah, it's, it's really tough. They're not very juicy plants either. So when you, I put kale in my juice this morning and I was just like so disappointed by the volume of kale I put into the juicer and like the tiny droplets of really dark green stuff that came out. I was like, this is, I'm going to go back to my romaine and like, yeah, I just can't I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I know it, it could be the simple things. Romaine is huge in terms of nutrients. So. The best. Yeah, I've been really yeah. into romaine and mint in my juices lately. Yeah. It's really delicious. It's great. Well, Good. thank you so, so much. What finally, where can we find you? What your second book, not out yet. I know you're working on it, but it's not, I've like really stalked your process. It's coming. I think right? first book came out in 2016. Yeah. Did it come out that long ago? Yes. 2016. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was going to be about autoimmune hacks. Okay. You know, how I healed from Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. But I think now it's probably going to be more about, you know, how you can heal from anything. Hmm. And, and like I said, turning back the clock and how I did that. So it's probably more about that. So it's, yeah, there's the motivation hasn't been totally there. So I have a feeling I mean, it's going to be better year, but for everyone. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I have this seven day reset that I did two years ago. Um, we're coming out with one probably next week, the 2.0 version of it, just new recipes, new things that are kind of cool. You can download on the website. So I also have an autoimmune hacks that you can download on the website too, just about sort of a lot of things about how I healed from it as well. But um, yeah, that book is a little bit way behind schedule. So well, something to look for, something to look forward to. And then are you doing, you do your, your very highly sought after very fast selling out cleanses that are delivered. Is that something yeah. that's still going on? I need to get on yeah. the, on yeah. the bandwagon. Yeah. With that one. It definitely, um, yes, we're, what are we, February? We sold out of February. We're into March now. Um, okay. we do sell out. We only do like 60 to 65 people. Um, three weeks out of the month, I give like my people a week off. Um, yeah. So they're there. We, we also switch up the menu four times a year. So we try to do seasonal vegetables and we change up the salads and soups because people do them over and over again. So we don't want, I don't want them to get tired of, of the food, but. Um, and is it yeah. all three meals delivered or. It's, well, it's a detox tonic in the morning, which is a gut drink with a coconut probiotic fermented kefir drink that is amazing and then there's a vegan broth 
The broth is delicious and that's when we put the bone broth in if you want it for the amino acids. We have a homemade super seed bar. We have salad for lunch. We have fermented veggies for like afternoon snack. Dinner is soup and then we have different lattes at night, a turmeric one and a reishi cacao one. But so the food, the salads are all different. The soups are all different. Um, Yeah, we're just trying to get, you know, just a lot of like, tons of vegetables into people and no gluten, no sugar, no dairy, you know, just everything is very anti-inflammatory. So um, it's a lot of food. The salads are huge and the soups are 16 ounces. So, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, bountiful, but that's the good thing about eating so many plants is that you can eat in, in bounty and it's like totally just the more the merrier. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. You're just like a ray of sunshine like health beacon of hope for everyone, including myself. So thank you so much. Good luck with your journey. And I can't wait to hear about it. Oh, thank you. Hopefully we'll, we'll keep in touch. We will. Talk to you later. later. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. She is just the best. I love her. Uh, If you could give this a good comment, a review, a five-star rating, any of that helps so much. Send it to a friend or a family member, anyone you think might like or need it. And yeah, thank you so much for the continued support and I'll catch you next week. Bye.